Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hold that line. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you, 1235 in Edmonton. Uh, Thursday, one of my favorite days of the week. Uh, momentarily, we'll get to Louis DeBrusque. Uh, two quick texts. Doug says, Bob, I'm an Oilers fan through and through, but when it matters the most, the Oilers truly show what kind of team they are. A one-man or best one-line team. If you can stop Connor, you stop the Oilers. That simple. You said it yourself. The team is still a work in progress. The team is not built to play big boy or playoff hockey. Sorry, Oilers fans. Have a look at this club of the real eye test not through rose-colored glasses and the question i asked is uh you know the series is a best of seven not a best of one um are you concerned about what we saw in game number one um we also briefly hit on the suspension coming for Nazem Kadri. Uh, Randy says the hit is more of a hockey play than what Tom Wilson did in the Ranger game, and neither individual is an on-ice angel. I'm disgusted with what the NHL finds suspendable. Sam Bennett gets one game for skating a quarter of the length of the ice to drill a player right in the numbers, just a few feet away from the puck. Kadri makes a high hit against the player in the slot about to rip a shot on goal. Which of these are hockey plays? As for the record, I agree Kadri should re- receive a suspension, but the inconsistency is disgusting. That one comes to us from Randy. You know what? It's a hard game to officiate. and That's all there is to it. It's a hard game to officiate. There's uh, lots of uh, – lots of the game's fast. Puck's moving quickly. One more before we go to Louis DeBrusque. Bob from Haji, he says, I thought the Oilers were the best team last night. However, offensively, they wanted to play like it was the regular season. Far too many shot attempts were passed off when Hellebuck was in the zone. It's going to take some dirty goals to beat them. Their inability or unwillingness to elevate their game in the playoffs is a great equalizer. And why RH in 2017 and last night looked so ineffective. Until the Cahoons, RHs, and Bears on the Oilers figure out the playoffs is not enough to do your best. Um, you have to do what's required. The Oilers will not be Stanley Cup contenders. I just got to tell you, the Oilers don't have a complete enough team. They squandered assets. Uh, Ken Holland came in two years ago with limited cap space. This is an important summer for Edmonton. That said, they can still come back and win the series, and, and maybe you shouldn't overreact one game. But that's kind of what happened. You know what? That's what columnists do. 
is they write for effect based on the here and now. They don't have a 30,000-foot view of what's going on with a club. Uh, so they go for often the, uh, you know, the easy score. Like, you know, blaming the best two players on the team when a team doesn't get somewhere, when they're obvious. Again, I, I quoted you verbatim. What one of, one of the top potential manager type names out there had to say about the team that Edmonton is that they've overachieved in the regular season because they've had the top two scores. They've had the best power play. You don't get the same power to play opportunities and playoffs are a different game. All right. To our Oilers now headliner for Wilhock beef jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock W I L H A U K today. Louis DeBrusque from Sportsnet. Louis, give me your thoughts on what happened last night. <laughs> well, exactly what we saw. You know what? I think we saw two teams that came out in the first period were pretty tentative. Um, I think the word that was used by most players was jittery, which you have to expect. They were sitting around watching, waiting to play, and, you know, wasn't the, the start that we expected it to be. You know, we expected it to be just a run-and-gun physical affair, lots of hits, nasty stuff. But you know what? Both teams really felt each other out in the first period, only six shots apiece. The best chance came right in the dying second. Shifley with a great one-timer that just missed high. And you know what? You look at that period, okay, now the nerves are gone. And then in the second period, I thought for the majority of that period, Edmonton controlled the play. They were the team that was in the offensive zone. They were turning pucks over with the forecheck. They were funneling pucks to the net. They had 16 in total, more attempts than that. And that's the game that I think they're going to have to play if they want to get back into the series and win it. And then they had, you know, timely goals by Winnipeg. I mean, they get a goal from a guy that didn't score all regular season in Pullman. He drives through two defensemen, finds a rebound on a good shot by Wheeler, and is able to bury it. It's a dirty goal. And then a, a tip from a blast from the blue line, which, well, let's face it, that's a typical playoff goal. I mean, that's what happens in the playoffs. Everybody's collapsed. Everybody's in position. I counted on one hand the number of outnumbered rushes. I think there was two in the whole game. So, I mean, like, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a real difficult, hard-fought game, and I don't, I don't think we should expect anything more. I do believe the intensity will go up. I do believe the speed and the skill will settle in, and that benefits, I believe, the Oilers going forward with their top two players who you know, will be introduced to the, you know, the series in a different way. Louis, are you in uh, Rogers Place, or are you in the downtown community arena? I'm in Rogers Arena. I just watched the taxi squad see a little bit here. Okay. Some of the extras. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, take us through the mindset of the player because you've been there before. What's the difference between being up one nothing in a best of seven and being down one nothing in a best of seven? Well, there's desperation. You know, listen. There's only so many games you can give up and afford to lose in a playoff series, and everybody's aware of that. You know, it's the first to four, and when you when you lose the first one, you certainly don't want to go down in the hole and lose the first two. Um, so, you know, Edmonton, in my opinion, will be the more desperate team coming out in game number two tomorrow night. And, you know, for the Winnipeg Jets, you gotta, you got to realize from their position, this is a team that absolutely dominated them in the regular season. And everybody says, oh, it doesn't matter going into the playoffs. I hate to tell you, you still carry that forward. They know how they played against Edmonton during the regular season. Connor Hallibuck's career numbers against Edmonton haven't been that great. He had a great game last night. He only allowed one goal to get by him on 33 shots. He was the difference in the game, in my opinion. That was the difference right there. They didn't get to him early enough. They didn't get to him often enough. And they certainly didn't make it difficult enough on him to make saves. Uh, and he made the saves he had to make. So give him credit for that. He, I mean, listen, it hasn't been a friendly building for him, and it certainly hasn't been a friendly team for him as far as the goaltender's concerned. So they're going to have a real positive outlook on that game. 
call it what you want. Call it timely scoring. Call it garbage goals. It doesn't matter. They got the W, and that's what you're looking for in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how you get it. You just need to get it. For Edmonton, I think they need to do more of what they did in the second period. And it's a game that they're very comfortable playing. Instead of off the rush, you have to work off the cycle. You have to forecheck and turn pucks over. And the positive thing for Edmonton is when they did get aggressive on the forecheck, they recovered pucks. Um, they went in and they were stealing pucks, turning pucks over, and spending time in the offensive zone. And as Dave Tippett said, they just need to finish a little bit more. They get a couple more goals in that second period, which they very well could have on some of the chances they had. Newton Hopkins had a real good chance on the back door that that puck fumbled just a little bit. He picks that corner a little bit more. It's in the net. And that just sets a whole different tone for the game. It didn't happen. Give Winnipeg credit. They found a way to score timely goals. Toninato scores a big game winner, his first ever goal in the playoffs. And you know what? That's what happens in the postseason. Is that the type of scoring you're going to have? But I do believe there's an extra extra gear, another level for Edmonton they need to get to. And I have no doubt they're going to get to that level. But the Jets also have another level they want to get to. See, and I agree. Like, I, th- I know Edmonton can play better, but I also believe Winnipeg can play better. Oh, yeah. I didn't well, yeah, think this know. was going to be a four or five game series either. I know there's some people, no. oh, they're going to win in five. I'm like... I'm not so sure of that, and 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 right now, for a lot of Oilers fans, they're like, they better win tomorrow night or else. And even then, no. <laughs> right? I, I I agree. You and I talked before the series, and I really felt it was going to be a grinding, hard-fought series. Like I think all the series are going to be. Yeah. I don't think any any series in the league right now is a walkover. I really don't. Um, just because of the nature of this season, the divisional play, the familiarity with each team, respectively. Listen, Edmonton did enough things last night. I thought coming out of the second period, they'd probably look at that period and thought they should have had more out of that period. There's no question about it. But in the third period, it was Winnipeg that came out with a little more jump, a little bit of confidence. And Edmonton allowed them to weather and kind of feel that in the game. And they got timely scoring and they finished again. It was a 2-1 game with two empty net goals. That was a very, very close hockey game. But for Paul Maurice, when you listen to him talk, listen, they know they can't open up against Edmonton. They know they can't play a running gun style, especially when 29 and 97 are on the ice together. It looks like they're going to be put together for tomorrow night, potentially. So, you know what? Here's the thing. You have to play that type of a game against Edmonton if you want to be successful. It's been something they've been trying to bash into their brains all season long, the Winnipeg Jets, to play that type of a game because when they do get their chances, they have enough firepower to finish off plays. And listen, it worked for them last night. Is it going to work every game? I don't think so, because if you continually give a team that much offensive zone time, especially like they had in the second period, they will find a way to score goals. They're going to find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. But there's only seven games in the series. They're up one nothing. They have the advantage. It's up to Edmonton now to push back, and that's what the playoffs are all about. It's about making little adjustments, fine-tuning what you want to do, shuffling the line combinations maybe a little bit, and finding that mix and, and putting your best forward in game number two. Yeah, it's interesting. Nurse and Barry both had some opportunities offensively in the first period yeah. and capitalized on those looks. And then Barry made a, a real bad read that led to a two-on-one. Edmonton escaped that. And then right at the end of the period, a blown opportunity, high slot, and they came back in a three-on-one. You could argue the Oilers. The shots were 6-6 six, six after one. I, Winnipeg probably had the three best chances, didn't even get a shot on goal on two of them. And that maybe Edmonton got lucky there, but 16 8 were the shots well, in the second, and the Oilers should have been in a better spot than tied 1 1 after two. You tell me, those two chances in the first period, the two on one, it was a great backtrack by Barry. He's the one that turned it over, but he got back on Connor, and the nurse came back and took away that pass across. Excellent yep. recovery. 
Yeah. I think Kyle Connor should have shot that puck, though. I'm looking at that as a three-time 30-goal scorer. If he wouldn't have gone Shoot into a pill. slump this year, he would have been a four-time 30-goal scorer. He had 26 in the regular season this year, and he got cold at the end of the year. So at the end of the year, he finished top. But I'm saying for a big stretch, he had one goal in nine games, and he just wasn't putting the puck in the back of the net. But this guy's an elite scorer in a great position to shoot it. He just waited a little too long, in my opinion. But I think there was that hesitation by both teams early on. And then the Shifley three-on-two that happened at the end of the period, I mean, he doesn't miss many from there. You know, so for me, you're right. They had the best two chances in that first period. I thought, yes, if Paul Yarby had a real good chance in tight two. But yeah. For me, though, you look at that, was there any other outnumbered rushers in the whole game? Do you remember another two-on-one the rest of the game? No. Exactly. That's what it's going to be about. Now, there will be some. There are going to be breakdowns. There are going to be mistakes. And it's the team that capitalizes on those mistakes that's going to win this series. There's always mistakes in games. There's always mistakes in the playoffs. It's how you recover and what you do once you make the mistake. Winnipeg was able to adjust and make some corrections. Edmonton was able to recover on some of theirs. And listen, a tip goal in front. I don't blame Mike Smith on that one. It was a double deflection, actually. It deflected off, um, I believe it might have been an Oiler player high in the slot. It moved a little bit, and then it was deflected by Tononato right in front of the net. It goes boom, off the blocker and into the net. You can't. I mean, Mike Smith can't save that puck. Sorry, you're not going to react that quick. So I thought both goaltenders played pretty good. So, I mean, it was a battle in that regard. They just found a way to put two in the net, and Edmonton can only score one. They're going to need to score more to win the series. But, you know, I, again, I, I look at this, and for me, missed shots by Edmonton, too many missed shots where they were trying to get that puck to the net. Um, and also defensemen, they're going to have to do a better job of getting those shots through the blocks. They're going to have to make sure that that shot gets down to the danger zone if you have a presence in front, which was non-existent in the first period. They weren't going to the net. They weren't, ta- they, weren't ta- they weren't taking that space up, but in the second period they did, and it was their best period by far. So when you look at the tape after the game, you watch it, they're going to they're gonna bring the coaching staff's going to bring the players and they're going to say, these are the things we did well right here. This is what we have to duplicate, and that's what you do. You go out on the ice the next game and you try and duplicate the things you did well you try and clean up the things you didn't do well and move forward it's one game i agree with you it's no no time to hit the panic button that's for sure because like i said earlier i just don't really think connor and leon have introduced themselves to the series yet they had a couple of chances a couple of looks they played them well give them credit they were nasty on them a couple times a couple scrums there will be a response in game two. All right, Louis. very quickly, uh, a positive, and then we'll get to a couple guys uh, that maybe didn't make enough of an impact. But a year ago at this time, would you believe that Yesapuliarvi would play the way he did last, the type of game that he did last night? I mean, he looked like a horse in that game. Driving the yep. net, getting in on the forecheck, finishing checks, in the blue paint, scores a goal around the puck. I mean, the Oilers have got themselves a player there. That, and I'll be honest, Louis, I didn't. I don't know about you. A year ago at this time, when he was, you know, he finished up his season over in Finland, I'm like, he, he's not going to be this player. He's he's a different <laughs> player. He, you know what I mean? He's yeah, he's I'm, he's he's kind of like, and I'm. This is a scary comparable. Zach Hyman is going to be a coveted UFA in the oh, market yeah. if, if he doesn't go to Toronto. People watch the Leafs Montreal night. He's a hell of a player. He's like a six foot four right shooting. <laughs> like that's you know what I like. Like the way he plays and the the turnout. Like I never saw him. Be, I, I I thought he could be a trigger man. I thought he could be a bit of a playmaker. I didn't. He's he's a driver in the modern sense, and he's better oh. for playoff hockey because of how he competes and how he plays. It's amazing you just use that word because I was just going to say to you, I didn't expect him to be the driver that he is. 
I thought he was more of a complimentary player, but I, I have to, I can't be blatantly lying to you if I, if I said, yes, I expected, yes, a Pugliarvi to come in and play the way he's played, because I didn't. But, you know what, I knew he was young. I knew he was a huge frame. I knew that his work ethic was there. I mean, the, the, they had talked about the fact that he wasn't afraid to put that work in. He wasn't afraid to really get in shape. He wasn't afraid to use that body. But he's even come in and been higher on my expectations is how well he's dealt with the physicality. Yeah. He actually he actually welcomes it. He likes yeah. it. He likes being in the thick of things. You see him John with guys off the face-off, cross-checking guys, being physical. He just, you know, and that's a real great sign. And the other thing, too, is you're right. There's there's difference between the regular season and the playoffs, and it's a real telltale sign, the guys that can step up and play in the postseason because it does get more grindy, it gets more physical, and it's just a harder game. And some guys can't deal with that. And those skilled grinders, like a Zach Hyman that you mentioned, become so valuable in the postseason because not only can they weather the storm physically, they can also produce. Um, but listen, yes, yes, I was the best oiler last night. There's no question about it. I think that if you look at the game, you're going to say that's the guy that stood out for me, that picked him third star for a reason, and he was all over. He had his fingerprints all over that game, scored a big goal, was just a menace on the four check, was taking up space in front of the net, could have had a couple more. That's a great start for him in his first playoff game. There's a lot of energy there, and you know, you, as, as the Oilers, you're hoping that that wears off on some guys and rubs off on some guys, and that energy is brought forward in game number two. Like I said, I thought it was tentative by both teams in the first period, not what we expected. Winnipeg was the better team to start the game. I thought Edmonton stabilized by the end of the first. They were the better in the second. We know what happened in the third period. It's about putting periods together, putting shifts together, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to game number two because I do believe we're going to get the game we expected last night yep. tomorrow. Yep. All right. Great stuff, Louie. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. That's Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey on Rogers. He's our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Altoff will take care of you at Roos Chris. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. We'll get to our Oilers now injury report and a bunch of texts on the Ashley Five Floors text line when we return. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. All right, it's 12.54. Brad has texted the show to say, Bob, watch Weber, Sherratt, Edmondson, Anderson, and Gallagher punish Marner and Matthews tonight. It's going to be beautiful from Brad. Brad, Toronto's got a good team, but Montreal's got a big physical team, uh, and we liked the Canadians at the start of the year. I'm surprised they, they finished fourth in the division. I think that's going to be a tougher series. I don't think Toronto's winning in four and five. I think it's going six or seven, frankly. It's just the way it is. Sunny in Vancouver uh, says, Bob, if McDavid and Dry settle are on a line together, do you put Yamamoto on there and pull Yarby to the second line to help carry the second line as well as add some size? Could you possibly add Cassie to the line and drop Cahoon to the third line? Go Dry settle McDavid, Yamamoto, pull Yarby Nugent Hopkins, Cassian, Cahoon, McLeod, and Neal. Uh, well, we're not going to see that because Cahoon was with McDavid and Drysaddle and Pugliarvi and Yamamoto. Two right shots uh, were flanking Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Again, you can text us at 780 Um More texts coming in. Um, 
Bob, the Oilers, same thing happened to Edmonton against San Jose in 2017. They looked shaky in their first game. Come game two, they played hot. And Zach Cassian was a big part of that. Remember, he scored a shorthanded goal. Absolutely crushed. How about the hit last night for Archibald, by the way? Hey, Sonny in Vancouver. Brendan, I'm going to bring you in right now at uh, 12.55 for 30 seconds. Uh, Sonny's out in Vancouver. Remember what? I remember uh, Vancouver went into Detroit in 2002 and got out in front of the Red Wings. They won the first two games of those series in Detroit. They won in overtime in one of the games. Uh, Detroit had outshot uh, Vancouver in both games. Cloutier played pretty well. It was 1-1, I think, late in the second period. Like, it happened in the final minute of the period, and Nick Lipstrom scored from another time zone in Vancouver. And what I remember is after the Canucks were up 2-0, there were a lot of writers in, in, in Vancouver. Oh, the, you know, Canucks have got this series, Detroit's old, and... Do you remember that goal as a kid? You would have been probably eight or nine years of age, Brendan. Yeah, I was. I was pretty young. Uh, I think I would have been about eight years old. But you know, of, of the things I do remember from that Canucks vintage was that they had a real problem with the Minnesota Wild, it seemed, or a real rivalry, and then Cloutier getting lit up uh, from from the red line by Nick Lidstrom. Uh, yeah, it was a long range bomber. Detroit came back. Down two nothing. Uh, we all know how that ended in 2002. I'm not comparing the orders to Detroit. They don't have the experience. They don't have the depth that the Red Wings have. I'm just saying that you can see there was an illustration where a series changed in game number three. Uh, Don says, Bob, uh, would like to see Bouchard next game. He moves the puck quickly out of the D zone. Well, Ethan Barabert did not skate today over at Rogers Place. Um, I don't think we'll see significant changes to the Oilers lineup. I think that would be a little bit too uh, reactionary at this time. We'll have to wait and see uh, what Edmonton elects to do tomorrow. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. Cam in Red Deer says goaltending wins cups. What did the late great Pat Burns say? Goaltending 70% of hockey. Unless you don't have it, then it's 100% of hockey. Those are some of your texts, and there's literally hundreds that have come in uh, to the show. Appreciate it. Bob, the Oilers, uh, Geo says, the Oilers beat Winnipeg during the year with a faster lineup. Oilers need speed to forecheck to close in the slower Winnipeg defense. Yesterday, the Oilers dressed the bigger, slower roster. The Oilers aren't going to out-physical the bigger Winnipeg roster. Uh, that's a sampling of some of the texts that have come in. We are going to go into the Oilers now. Injury report. It is brought to you daily by our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every goal that the Oilers score, James H. Brown, that's Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown, they donate $100 to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. We're waiting on suspension update for Nazem Kadri. I would assume he's obviously out of Game 3 for sure against uh, St. Louis with Colorado up 2-0. Uh, the Oilers relatively healthy, though Smith nor Bear uh, were on the ice today. Brendan Escott, what else you got? Uh, Max Pacioretty, a game-time decision tonight and was not a part of morning skate for Vegas. Gino Malkin, game-time decision for Pittsburgh. They're calling him probable. He has not played in the first two games of that series against the Islanders. And uh, before Justin Falk left with a head injury, courtesy Nazem Kadri, the Blues also had lost defenseman Robert Bortuzzo to an upper body injury. Uh, so a thin back end uh, coming into the series gets thinner. Vince Dunn already absent coming in, but but uh, it looks like he may be ready to go in this next contest here. It's 12.58 in Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Kevin Weeks, this is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.